we're all about individualism. We're all about the dignity of the individual. Bienvenido al Partido Republicano, mi amigo. Hi, I'm Scott Ott with Bill Whittle and Stephen Green. And this episode of Right Angles brought to you by the members at BillWhittle.com. And gentlemen, according to the Wall Street Journal and some smart political consultants and pollsters, Latino voters are uh, starting to experience the kind of division that Democrats are famous for. But Democrats aren't going to like this one. Uh, Stephen Green, what's happening is that uh, Latino voters are starting to split along economic lines and working class, non-college educated, or rather I should say people, uh, uh, people who do not have a college degree, they may have gone to some college, um, are tending to move toward Republicans. And it's not an insignificant shift. If you look back, uh, first of all, there's, there are a lot of voters involved in this. There are 16 million some Latino voters in 2020 about 10% of the electorate. Uh, Joe Biden got 63% of that vote in the 2020 election. However, that's down 8% from the 2016 election. And if you look at uh, non-college degreed Latinos, it's down 11%. In other words, there's an even greater shift among them. Uh, They're starting to move toward Republicans largely because of a couple of key issues. It's faith. It's family. It's the economy, stupid, and it's the schools. Uh, Put ice the cake with the fact that Democrats have never fulfilled their promise to find a pathway to citizenship for, uh, for immigrants. And you have a recipe for what some say are the new Reagan Democrats. Steve Green, what do you think uh, Republicans should do to embrace this opportunity? Wow. Uh, well, number one, uh, they probably need to stop listening to the... Uh to the uh, Chamber of Commerce wing of the party. Uh, that's that's the old GOP. And uh, uh, one thing I found is for our our legal immigrants to this country, and I'm a huge fan of legal immigration, uh, there's a lot of resentment about the open borders po- policy, not just because of people skipping ahead a line in front of them, but also, Scott, as you mentioned in the backstage, for the damage done to people trying to cross illegally, whether yeah. it's uh, uh, sex trafficking, the coyotes, uh, <sighs> Just so many cartels. terrible scenes down yeah. down on the border. You hate to see that happening to, to anyone, but these are the incentives we have right now. So what are you going to do? Um, that said, I'd like to make a, a, a small correction. Um, you said uh, they're splitting along economic lines, and I would rephrase that. They're splitting along educational lines. Um, when we did our kitchen last year, our, uh, our cabinet guy, we had the cabinets resurfaced. I think that's what you call it, a refaced, where you get new doors, but the existing cabinets say they just put this new new laminate on there. And our cabinet guy is this perfectionist. He was he was in our home for like two weeks, just driving us nuts. But we also loved him because he was doing such great work. He was such a nice guy. Um, but he was telling me about this vacation. He took his wife on for two weeks to Tahiti. And this had to be a twenty dollars or $30,000 vacation. We've never even spent nearly half that much on a trip anywhere. But he he didn't go to college. He learned a valuable trade. He carries no debt. He makes really good money. Um, and somebody else who racked up, you know, a mortgage's worth of, uh, of student debt at a nice school, getting a degree in, you know, trans exclusionary destructive literary theory or whatever you call it. Uh, you know, they're working as a barista trying to pay off the house they borrowed to, uh, to, to get their student loans. So it's really not, uh, it's really not 
economic. It's really much more education. And it's the exact same split we're seeing in the rest of the country, whether it's uh, ethnicity, race, religion, whatever. That's the big split today. We have this this sort of managerial trained credentialed class that isn't much use and is trying to boss the rest of us around. And and we don't like that. And that's what we're seeing in, in the Latin community. And I, I think it's terrific. What, uh, but you asked me what the GOP should do. Um, I would look, I would look to the South. I would look to our Southern Republican governors and how they're running their states because we're seeing them do some really fine work down there. And I think that's the future of the GOP right now. Doesn't matter what ethnicity or race they are. Bill Whittle, just to put some numbers behind what Steve was just talking about, about the educational gap, um, this is not just about presidential election years, although we mentioned uh, Biden's slippage, um, but it's actually midterm elections as well. When looking forward to the midterm elections and who people are going to vote for in Congress, right now polling shows that among Latino voters, Democrats are plus 11%. Basically, they have about an 11% edge in general um, over Republicans. But in 2018, just a couple of years ago, that was a 34% edge, now down to 11. And if you split that and do the tab, uh, you know, research a little bit and break it down, you find that they're only plus six, not plus 11, with uh, Latinos who do not have a college degree. However, they're still plus 26 with Latinos who do have a college degree. Um, it almost makes me want to start a university for promising Latino students so that they can get an American education. Well, the first thing that data tells you is clearly that going to college makes you much stupider. That's, that's, the, that's, the, immediate, that's the immediate takeaway from that data. Um, Latino uh, voters have an advantage uh, in this regard because they're not so neurotic as, uh, as so many rich white voters. The people who talk most about white privilege are the most privileged white liberals in the country. They're the ones who are completely fascinated and obsessed by it because of this ongoing sense of guilt that they have because they're doing really well and they don't do anything. Uh, the, the Latino voters, you, uh, Scott, you said it was uh, splitting along economic lines. Steve said it was cultural lines. I, uh, uh, educational lines. I think it's along cultural lines. I think I think that this whole far left progressive movement has shaken them to the degree it's shaken the rest of sensible people around the country. Uh, trans athletes, uh, uh, you know, men walking into women's uh, bathrooms, um, all of it, right? All of it. Uh, it. If the day comes where Hispanic, largely Hispanic communities send their kids to school and then they find out that their little boy was dressed up as a girl for the day just to teach him diversity and inclusion, uh, they're going to handle it a lot worse than than um, than any really white voters do because because these people, generally speaking, Hispanics, got here through hard work and have worked their way up. As your cabinet guy was was yeah. talking about, they're very. When I say they're practical people, I'm not talking about them genetically. I'm just saying that the, the Hispanic community is the latest arrival into the United States, and so they have the most practical experience on the ground. They don't have nine generations of, of you know, blue nosing and you know all this other stuff to to try to work off. So the, the further away the, the the Democrats get from reality, the more they're going to turn these people off, and they're turning they're turning uh, Latinos off in in large numbers. 
they are extraordinarily conservative people. They've just been told, indoctrinated, that that we're a bunch of racists and hate them and so on. And it's slowly beginning to dawn on them that that we're not. In terms of what the GOP should do, I would say two things. First of all, they should they should put their full resources behind uh, uh, Latin candidates who are running as Republicans. Uh, we just saw a major cultural event when that uh, seat. Uh, in Texas, a congressional seat that's been held by Democrats since Texas entered the union, went to a, um, a, a Latino Latina Republican. Uh, so an awful lot of that Republicans can't stand up stuff goes away when it turns out that it's a it's a Latino or a Latina running as a Republican. Republican candidates are are tremendously powerful in that regard. And the other thing I would recommend the Republican Party do is that they would simply go to a lot of uh, of these Latino events and just talk to them, you know, yes. just talk. Uh, th- this this exact same argument applies to, to black voters. This idea that they, you know, that, that, oh, there's no way that we can win them over. It's like, how do you know that? You could probably, I, I could win them over and I could win them over in 10 minutes. I could win them in, over in 10 minutes by simply speaking to them as from one individual to another and find out what type of, of, of uh, problems we have in common and how we can go about addressing them and not either condescending to them or worshiping them like they're some sort of, you know, golden calf because of their, because of their alleged, uh, you know, victimhood status. Uh, I I think that this is, this trend is not only uh, solid, but it's going to accelerate and it's going to accelerate rapidly. And if it accelerates and holds, then the same thing with the Latino vote is true with the black vote. If the Democrats don't get plus 30 or plus 25 on the Latino vote and plus 80 or 85 on the black vote, if those numbers erode by 5%, then the Democrats never win another national election again. And this Democratic Party pursuit of the most extreme lunatic fringe of, of their philosophy is going to continue to cost them. And this is just uh, uh, another one of the signs that this gigantic bell curve is a coming and they don't show any signs of slowing down. Thank God. Just to piggyback on on what Bill said there, I think in addition to speaking uh, to people, uh, listening really pays off. And yeah. in fact, uh, you'll find, and this is, I get a lot of experience doing this in because I'm in sales, I'm in a retail environment, I'm dealing with people from all over the world. In case you didn't realize it, uh, if you come from the Northeast, Texas is the melting pot. <laughs> Texas is where people, uh, because especially in the Dallas area, this is a major technology hub. So we get people from all over the world coming here who speak many languages, come in different shades. And I had a good lesson the other day. I saw a man who appeared to be of some sort of Middle Easternish, maybe Indian, maybe Egyptian, maybe, I don't know, somewhere in that area of the world. And he was looking at a hand-knotted wool rug. And my tendency as a salesperson is to step forward and inform him about the hand-knotted wool rug and why it's such a valuable thing and why it's $6,000 when the rug next to it is $600. But I, I paused for a moment and, and the better of me actually triumphed for once. And I said, um, tell me about this rug. And I, I asked him 
as if he were the salesperson to tell me about the rug. And he starts describing the threads and he turns the rug over and he starts describing the thickness of the threads. And he said, these threads are actually a little um, thicker than they should be. And that's why it's a $6,000 rug, $6, rug and not a $60,000 rug. If they were much thinner threads, you would see a much finer design and this would be a $60,000 rug. I, he said, I have seen million dollar rugs. And he then started telling me all this stuff about rugs. Clearly, the guy had something to share and I had something to learn. And I didn't come at it as somebody who was about to educate him because of my position. Um, and I think if you take an approach like that, when you ask somebody, he probably walked away from there thinking, that salesman is very intelligent. I didn't say anything. <laughs> I just asked him questions about the rug. And I think if we, if we take the same approach with our Latino neighbors and ask them about what's important to them and let them tell us, we don't even have to tell them what we believe. The fact that we show concern and interest in what concerns them is enough. Um, and I, I want to take it another step further because in addition to when we do make, you know, advertisements or public professions or we're on the news or whatever, not just talking about family values, but living it out. That's why, you know, when it's, it's so much more reprehensible when you hear about a Republican politician who's cheating on his wife. Um, it's such a, a breach of faith uh, for people who sent that guy there because he appeared to embrace our values. And so look for those candidates who humbly live out the message. And then the, the final thing that I would add uh, as far as how, how Republicans can take advantage of this opportunity is to not group people together and talk about them as if they were a group. Yes, they're analyzing how Latinos vote, but Latinos aren't Latinos. Latinos are Mexican of, of Mexican extraction or Ecuadorian or El Salvadoran or Guatemalan or Honduran or Cuban or Venezuelan or Bolivian or whatever. You know, they come from all over the world and, and we don't need to label them. It's we run the risk sometimes when we're talking in broad strokes of referring to people as groups. For example, millennials as if millennials had a single personality type and a single behavioral pattern, or Latinos, as if they were all the same. Uh, we're all about individualism. We're all about the dignity of the individual. And we sh our messaging should reflect that. It should be forward-leaning to listen rather than projecting. And it should also be respectful of each person rather than grouping them together and saying, because you're that age or from that country, I know who you are. And that kind of respect will be rewarded because they're already Absolutely. inclined toward Republican values and the idea of faith being a central part of your life and the idea of school being a place for your children to learn rather than a place for children to be politically uh, indoctrinated. And the idea that an economy with opportunity is the kind of economy that I can embrace because I know if I can work my tail off and have a good idea and make it happen and nobody's gonna stop me or demand a bribe to allow me to pass through this gate, that's all I want. I'm not asking for something for nothing. That kind of a message will, will have even more of these voters flocking to the Republican Party. And unlike the African-American uh, voting uh, group, so to speak, um, this one's growing and it's growing fast. 
and it is the future. And if Republicans understand how to embrace that, as they have in many localities around the country, you'll find that next year's Wall Street Journal story will be a lot more dramatic for the Republicans and a lot more fraught with potential doom for Democrats. For Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, I'm Scott Ott. Thanks to the members at BillWhittle.com for making Right Angle possible. 